0: Do we need another gaming podcast? P-Shaw. That's like asking if we need more dice. This is the Veteran Wargamer. Welcome to the Veteran Wargamer. I'm your host, Jay Arnold. In this episode, episode number one, I'll talk about what I hope to achieve with this podcast. Uh, Don't worry, I won't take too long. Uh, Then we'll talk about what makes me a veteran war gamer. So what is this podcast? What am I trying to do? I want to explore some topics surrounding gaming that I happen to find interesting. Um, Maybe there's something about games that I really like, so I'll talk about that. Maybe there's a new game that is catching a lot of attention, so I'll talk about it. Um, I'd like to have a guest or two on a revolving basis... And we'll see where that happens to take us. Um, Some topics that may appear in the future. uh, Some ideas I'll be kicking around. Why do we have point systems, and are they really fair? Uh, Is there tension between playability and realism? Can they be balanced? Or are they simply mutually exclusive? Where do we draw the line between miniatures games and board games? Do we need to draw a line? Uh, Things along along those lines. Um, In... Summation Basically, I listen to a lot of podcasts. It started when I was driving an hour and a half one way to get to work. And I found that listening to music on the interstate, for me at least, was not the best way of spending my time because the long hours at work and driving and then the uh, uh, just the rhythm of the music and... You know watching that white line go by I, I would get hypnotized and get sleepy so I decided that the best thing to do is talk to is listen to people talking and so I started with talk radio, moved on to podcasts and audiobooks and a, and a couple of podcasts have really shaped the way I look at gaming uh, in particular. Uh, the first one is probably the d6 generation it's a if you're not familiar with it I recommend you highly you, you definitely want to check that one out. It's a general gaming podcast. They started out with more board gaming, with some miniatures, and then went more miniatures. And they're kind of getting back into board gaming a little bit. Uh, Started out with three guys in New Hampshire. uh, Around episode 100, the third guy dropped off. They've had what they call their revolving third chair, and uh, the the third guy comes back. The original third guy comes back on a on a semi regular basis to put in his two cents. It's a great show, very good production values. They've got a a rock-solid format that I happen to enjoy, and uh, you definitely want to check that out. That's the D6 generation. Another one from the U.K. that I really enjoy is Meeples and Miniatures. Again, started out as more of a balanced board game and miniatures game show, and has evolved over time to be mostly uh, miniatures. Uh, started out with just, just a single guy. Over time, he's added a, a couple of revolving guests. And um, he's kind of solidified into... It's almost like a, a three-person show normally. Uh, occasionally, there's a fourth guy that joins in. Now, an offshoot of that is probably my favorite podcast. It's called The View from the Veranda. It's the primary host of Meeple's and Minchers, guided by the name of Neil Shook and Henry Hyde. Uh henry is the now the former editor of battle games and miniature war games with battle games magazine he's also an author of you're the author of the wargaming compendium which is an excellent excellent book and if you haven't picked that up i highly recommend it so what they will do is they'll just get on and talk for anywhere from an hour to two hours about whatever they happen to be thinking about um And it's it's just a really solid show. Henry is a really, really smart guy, and uh, has a lot of really good ideas about how games work, how they're supposed to work, and how they could work. And uh, you definitely want to check that one out if you get the chance. Uh, One other podcast I want to mention is called Ludology. Uh, It talks about the... Its tagline is the The Whys of Gaming. It's almost exclusively a board game show but the hosts are both noted game designers and they talk about certain game mechanisms Uh, on occasion they'll talk about a particular game but normally they're talking about mechanisms so might they might talk about um, how to use cards in games and not necessarily just card games but how to use cards in games uh, or they might talk about different methods of randomization or even even they'll break it down even further into different dice systems, you know, so rather than just using d6s all the time, you know, what does it mean if you're introducing d8s and d10s and other other dice into your games. So all those podcasts have really shaped what I'd like to see the veteran wargamer become uh it's probably going to be a little bit more freeform, like View from the Veranda. Uh, eventually, I might get more of a more of a regular format. Um, I want to keep the topics. I don't want to say narrow, but I'd like to keep the shows to a particular topic if I can. In kind of like how Ludology does, um, I'll just make sure that whoever's going to be joining me is understands the direction I want to take that particular show. And if we veer off a little bit, that's okay, but hopefully we'll keep it keep it going in a particular direction and and drive on the uh, the main thing i i want to do at least starting off is keep the episodes to about an hour or less and uh, that's that's my primary goal there Uh, i know that a lot of people don't necessarily have the time to listen to a three and a half or four hour podcast like the d6 generation can be sometimes and they're not hip on breaking it up on, into multiple into multiple listening sessions, and that's okay. So, uh, and until I get my feet under me and figure out exactly what's going on with this whole podcasting craze, I think an hour is probably going to be an appropriate length. So, with that in mind, what do I mean when I say veteran wargamer? Um, I mean literally that. I am both a veteran of military service in the U.S. Army, uh, both Reserves, Active, and National Guard, and a wargamer. I'm a veteran wargamer in that I've been wargaming for a very long time. I'm now 42. I've started wargaming you could probably say when I was 12, and so that's 30 years, plus or minus, of rolling dice and pushing figures on a table and simulating combat on a table. So, how did I start down that path? I think, like a lot of kids uh, growing up in the in the 80s, uh, my brother and I got a hold of a game called Axis and Allies that uh, many of you have probably played, and we really enjoyed it. The uh, it didn't take long for us to get to grasp the mechanisms. It's a relatively simple game as far as the mechanisms are concerned. It's not particularly difficult to get your head around. And we we ran with it. We really enjoyed it. That same year that we got Axis and Allies, though, uh, we got a game called Scotland Yard. And Scotland Yard's a game where you are playing... Well, the party... Whoever's playing the game, you've got a party of two or more players who are playing... The role of Scotland Yard detectives on the trail of Jack the Ripper, and one of the other players is Jack the Ripper. And it, the game board, I, I forget a lot of the details of, of how the game works, but uh, the game board is this map of the city of London with various bus and underground uh, stops indicated on it. So You take turns moving your pieces around looking for clues for the location of Jack the Ripper. Well, we figured, well, what if we took our Axis and Allies pieces, used the mechanisms for combat from Axis and Allies, and applied it to this map of London with these different spaces already marked on it? And we played around with that for a little bit, and it might be interesting to try to go out on eBay and... And, and just see if the board is available or even if the entire game is available for not too much and see if we could recreate that. I remember us having a lot of fun with that. It probably wasn't a very good war game, but we enjoyed it. Like I said, at the time I was 12, my brother would have been 16 and that's kind of where we started. Um, like many other gamers of our age, we started also with Box D&D with the little with the dice that you had to use a crayon to color in the numbers on and we had some fun with that Uh, not too long after that though or actually, now that I think about it, that might have been about the same time, uh, my brother got a huge huge box set that had the Star Trek role playing game from FASA along with the Star Trek Tactical Space Combat Simulator and that's that's where we first got into serious, in quotation marks, wargaming. And if you have not had the opportunity to play Star Trek, uh, the Star Trek game from FASA, it's it's a hoot. It's, it's more of a starship duel game. You probably wouldn't want to run more than about two or three ships at any one time. It's not as complicated as Starfleet Battles from Amarillo Design Bureau, but it is faithful representation of combat as seen in the Star Trek shows and movies um up till then i think maybe maybe Star Trek 4 had come out by that time so really the only movie we'd seen with starship combat and i know send your send your email complaints to the veteran wargamer at gmail.com on messing up this Star Trek recollection but I think um you know, Star Trek Two, The Wrath of Khan was really the the only movie with any real I guess Star Trek three had some I guess Search for Spock had some space combat in. But okay. You you Trek fans, go ahead and use that email. Tell me how I'm wrong, that's fine. I'll I'll admit it, it's not a big deal. This is not a Star Trek podcast, it's a wargaming podcast, so um it was just a really fun game. You had to allocate your energy to the various systems of the ships, and you know, you roll your, your D10s like FASA was fond of D10s back then, and I can only hope they still are. And we've had a lot of fun. My brother and I still talk about one particular game uh, that we played at our mom's house on Mother's Day. We refer to it as the, the Mother's Day Massacre because I took a an Orion... Uh, blockade runner and literally literally ran circles around his Northampton class frigate and got one of the shields down on I, I want to say it was the, uh, his starboard aft and just kept ru- literally running circles around him and hitting that same location over and over again but uh, so being the types of kids that were let loose in independent Center mall in Independence, Missouri, we would go to a game store called uh, Hobby Haven and we'd get get, uh, copies of Dragon Magazine and in one of the copies of Dragon Magazine that we got, there was an ad for this book called Warhammer Siege and I'd never heard of Warhammer. Obviously, I wasn't paying that close attention to what was going on at Hobby Haven, but uh, the pictures and the ad for Warhammer Siege looked really really cool and it said for use with Warhammer Fantasy Battles and Warhammer 40,000 and I thought that looks that sounds like it's something pretty cool we need to take a look at and lo and behold uh somehow I don't even remember talking to my parents about it but Christmas of 1988 under the tree there was a box full of goodness there was the West End Games Star Wars D6 role playing game and a book that many of you are probably familiar with called Warhammer 40,000 Rogue Trader. In addition, there was a box of plastic space marine figures to put together, there was also a box of metal space orcs to uh, get out and and put on bases in pain, as well as a bunch of blisters of adventurers and space pirates. So, Hero was at the ripe age of 14 with a treasure trove of miniatures goodness. And that's where it really, really started for me as a miniatures wargamer. The, uh, and there's a there's a whole new I shouldn't say new. There's a whole movement called Old Hammer, of uh, people who prefer the old days of Warhammer Fantasy Battle and Warhammer Forty Thousand. They prefer the aesthetic and the the ethos that surrounds those versions of the you know, those earlier versions of the game forty you know forty k Rogue Trader and Warhammer Fantasy Battle Third Edition. That's the orange book, and they just like the figures better from those days and the mindset behind the games back then and i'm one of those guys I'd, I'd like to have an entire episode devoted to old hammer at some point so that's yeah we'll we'll talk about that in in further detail it's you know we'll take a walk down nostalgia lane you and me and uh, we'll have a good time with that one for sure so moving forward i stayed with 40k for a long time uh, rogue trader and then compendium came out and then compilation and we played some and uh, then of course the around that same time the Realms of Chaos books came out and I played a little bit of uh, Realms of Chaos Warband stuff Uh, and then and then I joined the army Uh, started in the army in 1992 as a reservist and graduated high school well went to basic training between my junior and senior year of high school then graduated and went to AIT and decided that you know I liked doing this army thing full time so I did the, exactly that I went into the active army and while I was on active duty I found a game store near Fort Bragg and started hanging out there and that's about the time that Warhammer 40,000 second edition came out so I got into that real big and I got into uh, a classic board game called Avalon Hill Civilization and advanced civilization, and played a ton of game, ton of games with my friends that I made there. In fact, I still play games with some of the friends I made there, and uh, just had a great time. And as I got out of the army, I, well, I got off active duty, went back to the same reserve unit in Kansas City, and like, uh, well, moved back to Kansas City and got into a gaming group and there and I still game with some of the guys that I gamed with in that group too and it was just one game after another. I had a pretty decent paying job and could afford to to buy whatever I wanted to buy and uh, so it was Warzone and Clan War and Necromunda and various other games that I, I don't want to say it was Game of the Month but yeah... You know, I probably bought into three or four games a year back then, and maybe some of the figures didn't get completely painted and got to the table that way, but that's that's just how it goes sometimes, isn't it? Uh, after a while, I decided to go ahead and go to college, did some more gaming while I was in college at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, go Salukis, and kept gaming, and... Met a girl and really liked her, and ended up being boyfriend, girlfriend, and then eventually became fiancés. And then we got married, and I graduated college. Well, I graduated college and then I got married and moved to a little town that is uh, quite a ways from any type of gaming scene. So my gaming slowed down considerably. Um, but, uh, and that's with some. Small detours here and there. Uh, I am still living in the same small town, and but I've got some gaming fixes. I've I keep in touch with internet websites, of course, and the uh, podcasts that I enjoy. My primary gaming outlet these days is going to conventions. One in particular recruits in Lee Summit at the Lee Summit High School where I graduated, and uh, also I have a, an annual gaming weekend. That I started uh, six years ago, and I invite all my friends over, and we uh, hole up in a uh, in an 1840s farmhouse that's attached to a winery, and we spend the entire weekend playing games and having beverages of an adult variety, and getting great food catered in by my catered in by my lovely wife, and. We just have a grand time with it. So at this point, the majority of my gaming, like I said, is kind of um, kind of convention centered, for lack of a better term. I come up with games that are suitable for conventions or games that aren't going to be played a lot on a regular basis with the same group of guys. So the rules got to be simple, and they they got to look good, and, and that's that's where I am now. Uh, luckily, my brother about two years ago moved into moved to Illinois, uh, he was living in Kansas City at the time, moved to Illinois, and so I've got my main gaming partner uh, back living in the same state with me, so you can't complain about that. So, that's my wargaming veteran side. I'll, I'll talk about my veteran side more in the future. Uh, that's probably not a... a that's not a topic I want to get into right now i I will be discussing veterans issues from time to time. Um, i'd I'd really like to discuss, you know gaming from a veterans viewpoint for lack of a better term. I've got some friends that are gamers and veterans and uh, hopefully I can get them on on the show here via Skype someday and we'll discuss some veterans issues and we'll discuss gaming from a veterans perspective and um, cause I, I am not aware of a podcast that takes that view or has that viewpoint. And when I'm saying gaming from a veteran perspective, it, it could be talking about gaming while deployed or even gaming while on a, uh, on a field problem, or that's a, that's a training exercise that's done out in a field. You know, and some of these training training exercises might be a week, two weeks, sometimes even a month long. So we'll see. You know, we'll talk about some some techniques for how to get your game fix in during the downtimes, because there are downtimes during during those types of things. And we might talk about you know how realistic are some of these games that that we play, how how well or how much of the combat experience do these games really capture, and. Uh, and again, that's not, that's not something that I'm aware of that any podcast really ta- tackles. So I, I think that would be an interesting viewpoint for people to get some insight into. Um, I'm going to say right now that, uh, yeah, I am a combat veteran. I have seen combat. I haven't seen a lot of combat, so I'm not going to pretend to know everything about everything when it comes to combat. But I've seen the elephant, to use a term that was used during the during the eighteen hundreds and you know, I've read a lot about it obviously. So we'll we'll take it from there. And I hope you come along with me and I hope you enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, great, let me know. And if you don't enjoy it, great, let me know. Um I'm a big boy. I've I've got a thick skin, so you know, be as unkind if you want in the in the comments, but you know, keep it civil. Uh, no hate. Um that doesn't mean we can't be disappointed in things, but uh, any comments you have, keep them civil. Uh, just remember, they're going to be in the public domain. You know, Anyone's going to be able to see them. So I don't think that's going to be a problem, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So find us on Facebook at HTTPS, colon, slash, slash, Facebook.com. Slash the veteran wargamer. That is the Facebook group. Email at the veteran wargamer at gmail.com. Uh, all one word, S- spell it just like you hear it. That's the veteran wargamer at gmail.com. So we're coming up on about 25 minutes, and I'm going to go ahead and bow out now. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you come back and listen some more. Uh, please feel free to leave comments uh, send me an email tell me what you liked, tell me what you didn't like and uh, let's let's keep this going, let's see how far we can take it and I look forward to, I look forward to talking to you guys again alright, that is all The veteran Wargamer Copyright 2016 by Jay Arnold Music courtesy of bensound.com